0: Steve sat in his studio puzzling over how to put together the next podcast episode he needed to produce. Over dozens of prior episodes, guests had referred to this secret of story as being so integral to the success of the advisors they worked with. But who could help unlock the secrets and principles of this whole idea of story? He searches through trade journals. Goes through practice management blogs, even asks other podcasters. Unable to find the right person who could unlock all these secrets, he turns off the light and goes home. Fast forward several months, and he finds himself at a conference in Philadelphia. Surveying the hors d'oeuvres at the first day reception, he meets Christina Pater. What do you do? I'm a Hollywood scriptwriter. Well, what are you doing here? KP captivates Steve with stories of her work on comedies, crime thrillers, and spy stories. And now, what are you doing now? Well, I take all those same disciplines and principles, says KP, and teach corporate communicators how to tell more effective stories. My company, The Hollywood Approach, leverages the art and neuroscience of story to accelerate results. This was it. This was the guest Steve was looking for. Together with co-host Julie, KP leads them through a fascinating episode filled with scenes from advisors' careers, uncovering clients' real goals, meeting unique characters who can take the language of math and create colorful life palettes, even showing them the secret shame and embarrassment some clients have that prevent advisors from really getting to the root of the problem and giving them the advice that'll change their lives. In the end, KP has shown our hosts all the secrets of story and the influence a story has had over their lives and careers, often in ways they'd never realized before. But this is just where our story begins. Christina Pater, KP, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast.
1: Thank you so much. Delighted to be here.
0: So um, you are not in the financial advice business, uh, but you are... Uh you talk, you are an expert at something that has come up on the podcast a lot of times and that we want to talk with you about. But before we get to that, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Can you tell us where you are now and, and how you got there?
1: Sure. Um, I will first just say this is not a chronological answer. This is not a chronology. Um, but I will, I, will, I will start with <laughs> my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Nadal. <laughs> Mr. Nadel. Oh, I'm glad this isn't chronological. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Nothing Thank you for letting us know that in makes advance. You want to that more than hearing that, right? Um, so this is a short de- demonstrative story. So Mr. Nadal had a mustache somewhere between Pancho Villa and Burt Reynolds. Keep <laughs> in mind this was the 70s. So he wore bow ties and plaid short-sleeved shirts. And he said things like, technically speaking, and as a matter of fact, and other upper crusty sounding things in my humble suburb of a Green Bay, Wisconsin school. So one day, Mr. Nadel gave us an English assignment. Again, this is fifth grade. So he says, write a story. And if you write three pages, you'll get a C. If you write four pages, I'll give you a B. And if you write five pages, I'll give you an A. So a few days go by, we all the whole class hands in their assignments. And then a while goes by and he's handing them back to us. And all of a sudden I get a little nervous because I had rolled up with a 17 page
2: <laughs>
1: play that was a Saturday Night Live-esque parody starring him with a not-so-disguised alternate uh, name (laughs) or or, uh, wardrobe or things like that. So all of a sudden I realized, oh, you know what? As everyone has their assignments back except for me, I'm thinking, oh, shoot. Maybe (laughs) that was not such a great idea. So I will ask you, so you, we're going into this interview a little bit cold, and I'll just say, can you guess what grade he gave me? <laughs> well, What kind of sense of humor did he have? Yeah, this could go either way, couldn't it? It sure could. I see, I didn't really think, you know, based on the overusage of the phrase, technically speaking, it didn't seem like there was much of a sense of humor there, but he slapped the the play on my desk, and I got an A plus wow. <laughs> plus. So that is sort of my story and I never really looked back from, you know, I was, like, um, okay. I, I was in journalism for a while. I worked at the, the local TV station there, the NBC station, moved into print in Arizona. Then I moved over to what is known as the dark side of journalism, PR, <laughs> and marketing. And then I was recruited um, by someone who knew more than I did uh, to write movies uh, when I was 27, so many, many years ago, more than I'd like to count, um, that's kind of it in an, in a nutshell, you can say the storytelling was always a passion.
0: And so, so tell us, so how, so, um, so tell us what application all of that could have to a financial advisor.
1: Sure. Well, everyone is a storyteller. Right. Every person is conveying information with what they say and do and how they say and do it, whether they're consciously making those choices or not. So given that the average TV consumption around the world is 35 hours a week, and that's not just in the U.S., but also the U.K., Ireland, Italy, Australia, really around the world, given that. Most people, meaning most of all of our customers, whoever your customers are, have a master's in story, whether you think about it that way or not. And that master's in story has been largely shaped by Hollywood. So if your customers have an affinity for mastery level storytelling and you're trying to win their business with high school English or even college English marketing or journalism, it's not going to cut it. We have to get more artful, and I would argue even more scientific with, with the storytelling. So it, it affects business by the attention you capture and how memorable you are with your storytelling.
3: So I think this is, I mean, it's such a great topic, and I think everyone will understand why we wanted to talk to you today, because um, a number of our guests have touched on the importance of storytelling, but it feels like we should get a lot more granular. So you've talked about there being a science. You've talked about being more artful. Uh, maybe we could start to dig into this in, in in whatever way makes sense, but maybe just start and tell us, you know, what are some of the things that make a story truly effective?
1: Sure. Well, there are so many things, right? It, it depends how how we want to look at that measurement of effectiveness. Um, you know, is it length? Is it entertainment value? Is it education value? Is it memorability? Um, is it how memorable it is? In Hollywood, Hollywood screenwriters frame stories in a very specific way. And everyone can do it. So if you think about, you know, what I said about you know, you could say everyone, many people have a master's degree in story consumption. So if we want to be masters at story delivery, we could, as one example, look at the framework that Hollywood uses. So Hollywood would would say that a story is about a character who wants a goal and the obstacles he or she has to overcome in order to achieve that goal. So... I'll give you a couple examples. An amnesiac wants to find his identity before he is killed by assassins for an identity. A naive young woman wants to meet the wizard and outrun the wicked witch of the West so she can get home to Kansas, Wizard of Oz. A broke jobless mother of three wants to achieve justice by exposing a corrupt water company in order to also uplevel her life, Erin Brockovich. So in those examples, we can see that an entire 90 minute plus movie can be conveyed in in a single sentence. Not easy to do, uh, necessarily, that's probably the hardest thing. Screen one of the hardest things screenwriters struggle with is to take their baby and turn it into one line. But, um, but that is a very simple framework about how any compelling story can work: character, goal, obstacles.
0: And and I really want to bring out. I'd love to hear your your thoughts about about uh, the obstacles and the challenges um, because that's that tension is really what, you know, the, ch- the tension that the obstacle brings is what makes it interesting, right? You could, you could tell a story about a hero wanting to do something and accomplishing it. And without the obstacle, there's, it's dull, right? There, there's no real, there's no real story there.
1: Right. And so in the business application, it really depend. like you really have to think about the context of you know, are you telling kind of a horror story or a cautionary tale to your clients? Or do you want them to see themselves on on the path with fewer obstacles? Because you've come in as their ally um, to, you know, take those obstacles out of their way or make, make the path smoother or more direct or something like that. So the context of the story is also very important. I feel like story well storytelling very recently in the last several years have gotten such acclaim and deservedly so i mean it's been uh it's been you know a timeless component of our lives but recently in business it's become really popular and i feel like the using it as a term has become almost um, overused, like somebody uses antibiotics. Like, oh, we just need it, you know, oh, I don't feel so well. Great, take antibiotics, or, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, the, right. The improvement <laughs> business. Great, tell a story. We have to think about, you know, the dosage of that story and the, you know, the patient or the client and what they're needing, right? Because not everybody needs the full dramatic movie version of the story at every juncture
3: and this this may be a nuanced question but you referred to a character uh which is uh, an individual uh, maybe a small group depending on the movie i suppose but i i often think there's a tendency for people to tell stories about my clients Uh, or, you know, a large group, how important is it to personalize it down to an individual to make it relatable?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think we can, I think one of the big opportunities with story is to allow the audience to see themselves in that character. So therefore, yes, there's absolutely a benefit to um, bringing that down on a singular character level. And understanding that specific character's um, goal goal and obstacles they had to face in order to achieve or get closer or surpass that goal.
0: And um, have you heard about this, Christina? I've I've heard um, that there was research fairly recently that um, doing brain scans of people while they were listening to a story and finding that um, as the story was progressing, that areas of their brain were firing off um, that would have been the same if the, if the person was actually doing the things in, in, the, in the story that the hero was doing.
1: Yes. I've heard, I've heard many things about this. Actually, a few years ago when I was facing an illness, a, f- a, f- a screenwriter friend told me that Russian Olympian trainers, I guess in the 60s, used something like this to help the athletes with training. So they'd go, they'd give them something, what I would um, translate, whether this is true or not, something uh, similar to like a, a meditation or like a visual, a guided visualization. And they'd have them, you know, be like, all right, now you're approaching the hurdle and now you're jumping it. You take four steps and you jump the other one and, you know, stuff like that. And they, they also found the same thing that parts of your brain fire as if you are living that story, but not only the brain, also your muscles and other, hor- you know, it, it kicks off, um, and incites other hormones into production as well as muscular development is what they found with this particular study.
0: And, and do you think that's what makes stories more memorable? I, you know, cause they're, you know, if you just tell somebody something, you know, that they remember only this tiny little percentage of it, you know, a day later or even an hour later. It, do you think that this has something to do with why stories um, live with people for a long time? Is because there's other stuff going on inside them as they're experiencing it?
1: I do, and the the neuro the latest neuroscientific studies uh, prove that to be true as well. So when a story is told. Let's say I'm holding up my finger quotes, guys, right. Uh, It's it's a a podcast. (laughs) podcast. (laughs) And some side notes here. When a story is told the right way, it will light up all seven areas of your brain. And if you could stand some ums, I could probably name them all off for you, but I'm I'm not going to challenge myself. (laughs) why
0: Why don't you give us one or two that are often forgotten by amateur storytellers?
1: Oh. Now, it, I don't even think it has to do with amateur. It just might be somebody working without the checklist.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Right? There's the okay. visual
1: cortex, the the olfactory cortex. Oh, oh, oh sure. Um, sensory cortex. There's Broca's area, Wernicke's area, which deal more with um, word and data processing. And then there's other ones that I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> have right. in maybe, the brain. Maybe that's my tattoo. But anyway, maybe that's
0: my tattoo. I, and I think, you know, our message to advisors is get out of your Wernicke, right? Because right. They, that's just where they spend their whole, their whole time.
1: Well, that's the interesting part of it, right? So when you tell a story, finger quotes right, on finger quotes, it, you're lighting up all seven areas of, of a person's brain like a pinball machine. However, when you are only using data and facts, you're, you're lighting up only two areas of the brain. And those two areas are broken. Broca and Wernicke's area. So that part I know. But, um, and so that's the difference. So you're lighting up five, you know, extra areas of the brain. And not only with right storytelling, correct storytelling, if you will, um, but also when that happens, when your brain's kind of in this lit up pinball machine mode, your body is producing the two most powerful hormones that the human body makes, which are oxytocin. And dopamine and so that is the um, reason for the memory both of those hormones um, help with memory
3: so i i'd love to to talk to you about some specific examples of how advisors might use stories to really explain what they do and who they help. But before I go there, I I was fascinated when I was reading more about your work to to think start thinking about storytelling in a much broader context. And in the context of the the narrative of your business or your life, can you talk a little bit about storytelling in that broader context and then maybe we can dive in a little?
1: Sure. I mean I think that First of all, I'll say I've been doing this work for 22 years, and probably my first year in, by, by this work, I mean studying screenwriting. My first professor was a two-time black belt in two different, like, ninjas. <laughs> two different ninjas. <laughs> you can imagine how he approached the page. This teacher did not wear plaid. Um, that I learned a and, and, and we had a lot of fun and he did not have a Burp Reynolds mustache either. But um, we had a ton of fun and he was very like super, super disciplined with that. And so a year into it, um, I just started experimenting. I'm like, this is just changing my whole life. Like the way that I was writing stories and the way not only that I was seeing the myself and the parts of myself that I brought to my characters in a script, but I was like, well, what if I do this in this arena of marketing? Um, what What if I ask these same questions that I'm asking of these protagonists or protagonistas on the page to my, what if I ask those questions to myself when I'm making big decisions? Um, So I just started kind of experimenting. And, you know, and I had friends who were like, what are you doing? (laughs) Or, you know, friends, (laughs) like in your, you know, in your 20s, you've got people asking advice and, you know, just like kind of what's going on. I'm like, well, this is your movie. You know, what would you want Julia Roberts has you to do or whatever the question is, right? So I just started asking different questions. And that led to of course, different answers. Um, But in the business realm specifically, at that time I was working, I was heading up a marketing department for a technology company in the hotel space. So keep in mind, this is like late 90s. And we were selling, we were developing the software that allows hotels to track your guest experience. So if you can imagine, Prior to that, it was all in like handwritten notebooks and maybe just getting onto computers. And so as we're trying to explain this huge concept, it's almost like trying to explain the internet before the internet was, <laughs> was there. Right, like, yeah, right. <clears throat>
2: right.
1: And so anyway, the team was finding that they were taking six sales trips with two people each in order to even kind of get to the first level of what a hotel client needed. Uh, needed to understand, to even understand what we were trying to do. And so I developed like a a story, you know, sort of a story sequence with them and a a series of videos, which rapidly um, really transformed the understanding of that process. So the sales cycle was cut from six on-site visits, which was a ton of travel then for two people. I mean, it's a ton of travel anytime. But I, we, with that video and that story sequence, we cut the sales cycle from six down to two because of having better storytelling, better on point, just purposeful, um, sequenced. So that's an example of like where I applied that in the early years. And then so that, you know, so imagine that was like a first win, like 20 some years ago. And then it's like, oh, this is cool. We can do this everywhere. Um, You know, so it's just a matter of getting into the specific situation, seeing what's there, seeing what's, what's needed. What does a client really need to know and when and sequencing it appropriately.
0: So, so let's talk about that. What, what, what kinds of stories might an advisor want to have, you know, in their folder ready to go for different kinds of, where where can it, where, what situations can it be applied to and, and then, you know, what kinds of stories might those be?
1: Sure. So it can apply, I think at absolutely every phase of their communication with a, with a customer and it it can apply to um, being at a cocktail party and having a compelling answer for, Hey, Hey, Steve, what do you do? It can be be that. And so if you need something like in that scenario, a financial advisor might want a more relaxed, like social answer, more fun answer, perhaps. Or if it's a business networking thing, they may want to have a a more serious, but still, you know, it depends who they are. And that's where the character comes in, right? Because both the potential client, Is a character and they have their goal and obstacles right and so does the financial advisor so it's like what's relatable what's interesting what's going to um, lead to a next question so in addition to answer you know a one-line answer to that simple question um i might argue that a financial advisor could use a log line so a one-sentence overview of what they do which could be something like you know it's like (laughs) when you've met me i i'm not like hey, Julie, hey, Steve, I can make you Oscar winners in two years if you talk to me. <laughs> because it's probably very similar that a financial advisor doesn't say, hey, KP, I can turn your $10 into 10 million, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, right, so you want, there's such a big latitude there of between what can you do with $10 or no, I need 10,000 or I need 1,000 or I, it doesn't even matter what the number is, whatever. Like, so just thinking about what, those different kinds of things. So I think I think again a log line, a one sentence overview of what of what they do. A solid a solid character intro. Who are you? What kind of financial advisor are you? Kind of like saying what kind of screenwriter are you? You know, I'm I'm not a cartoon writer. I do not do horror. Um, you know, so there's there's nuances. I do mostly comedy and crime thriller. Um, but I also do a lot of business stuff as well, and I like because I can't live in crime thriller all day long. And so most times, people understand <laughs> that. Wait, but it's good to know. Like it's it's actually like a good um, up uh, like a diametric for financial advisors to think about that that way. Like you know, some people are working with a certain um, wealth level or net worth level or. Um, Maybe it's geography, or who knows? Like what you know, whatever those, um, whatever those components are. The next thing I'd say would be a short pitch, um, something that can they can expand that one line into a one to five minute, um, you know, piece that expands what they do. And again, like if that person is in the market, it will be a compelling. Short pitch. I mean, this again is a Hollywood term. So, this is what we do in Hollywood, but but it applies to everywhere in business. And so, that short pitch, I would say, um, I'm going to now try to speak the love language of numbers. <laughs> um,
2: so, that
1: short pitch would be between 150 and 750 words. We speak at a rate of about 150 words a minute. Um, so, one to five minute short pitch would be 150 to 750 words. And then you might want to have like You might want to have additional stories like a a series of short stories of the kinds of clients that financial advisor has helped where have their clients started out with them in the process um you know meaning like i just got out of school and had my first job so do they work with you know freshly minted 20-somethings with very little to maybe contribute to their fund? Or are they looking for people close to retirement or somewhere in between? Um, and so stories that illustrate their clients and what kinds of help and, and uh, guidance they provide them. So one one way to think about those things. Sorry, I hear there might be another question coming, so I'll, <laughs> I'll make good. this up. <laughs> Last one short. Um, so one one way to think about what those stories would be, would be to think of what question and concern the client would have, whether they would be willing to say that question or concern or not. Um, so w- another key component that we that we haven't drilled into totally yet is the audience. So it's for financial advisors, who are you talking to and why? And many storytellers of every business kind of overlook that a little bit. So it, it's, a, you know, it's thinking about the difference between a warm lead who just wants to know pricing and how your financial advisory services work versus a cold lead where you might have to start more with square one and be you know, inviting them and welcoming them into the conversation versus you know, maybe scaring them off with too technical of information as an example.
3: Yeah. It was, uh, when we, when we're talking about referrals, um, as we do a lot on this podcast, um, you know, one of the ways that we talk to advisors about generating referrals is to, uh, to simply share uh, stories that represent the problems that they solve for their clients. But it, the, you know, the, um, sometimes the, the 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 what happens is they talk as you say, into general terms or they're too clinical. and where we've really seen a lot of success is if they can tell a specific story of a specific person and follow that path that you describe, the character, the goal, the obstacles. I mean, does that make sense to you as a place where storytelling could really be effective uh, with with the idea that people can share stories more effectively than other types of information.
1: Absolutely. I think that's absolutely a place to start because you're starting then to fill in the blanks for the client in front of you. So I'll give an example on my side, on the writing side, I, um, you know, because it's the difference between saying, Oh, I work with all kinds of people. It doesn't matter how much money you have. I could say the same thing as a developmental editor and, um, writing coach. Right. But when I say I have this client who just finished her first draft and she, when she came to me, she told me she didn't think she was smart enough to write a book. And by the way, like I think there's a there's a potential parallel here too, and it's like yes, writing a book is more about you know is is about more than knowing your alphabet and stuff like that. There's a there's a (laughs) master structure at play, but I think that there's oftentimes a little bit of shame in people, like they think they should have magically know how to kick out an eighty thousand word jam with no (laughs)
2: instruction.
1: We're not taught that in English. We're taught. 1,000 words. And so the parallel, What so that's 1,000 words is like maybe a blog or an English paper you have to do. And the average size of a book is between 60 and 80,000 words. And so that's 60 to 80 times more complex because you have a whole structure that that a, that a book has to support. And I think where the potential parallel for financial advisors is that I think many people may have the, the mis Con- conviction that they're like oh i had math in fourth and fifth grade and i could balance a checkbook when i had my first lemonade stand or whatever and i don't know really what i'm asking and so sometimes you know there there's a need to understand that there could be underlying like feelings of shame or just like a kind of embarrassment of like i don't even know what i'm supposed to do and i feel like i'm late to the game i i hear that from writing clients a lot of the times too they're like feel like I should have written my book already. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to help. And I, I just have a feeling that people, when they finally make the move to call a financial advisor or to start exploring that area, probably often feel too like, I know I should have started this 10 years ago, but I didn't know anything then, or I had a job and I could only yeah. contribute $20 or whatever. And so another opportunity that if that's the case or for financial advisor, whom that's the case, can help the character who's coming to them feel at ease. Um, I often say that to people, like a lot of times people think they learned the alphabet or went to their 10th grade English and just should be able to magically write a book. Like, that's not how it works. And so people laugh. It always makes people laugh, but I would imagine the same would put, but, and it puts people at ease.
0: And, and I, you know, I think you bring up I think you bring up two really, really important points there. One is the, um, is, is that embarrassment that, that people may feel because, you know, a lot of them, even sophisticated clients may not really understand what, what advisors do or how it can benefit them. And, and, and the, the challenge is that's perfectly appropriate because that's why you go to an advisor is because you don't know that stuff. But people can still be embarrassed. And the ability to, to tell them a story about, you know, let me tell you about Joe. Uh, and, you know, Joe was so embarrassed that he didn't know that, that he just didn't ask the question. And then because he didn't ask the question, this is this horrible thing that happened to him. Or, you know, telling a story like, uh, you know, th- that basically communicates, you know, look, there are a lot of other people like you, a lot of other people that feel exactly like you do. And this is how we've coached them through it. And this is how they, and this is all the good stuff that happened with them as they overcame all these challenges because we did it. Um, so I, you know, I, tell me a little bit about, um, how, how, you know, an advisor might be able to utilize a story that way.
1: Sure. I think that, yeah. And, and I think a lot of times when we're in an advisory or coaching role, if I may give myself that, that parallel, but in words, not numbers, it's, um, you know, it's about thinking through your, your clients and what have you done for them and what examples can you, what examples can you give? Where can your clients expect to move from and to, where can they enter your advisory uh partnership where at what point are they qualified to enter that because people may not know um also like with writers they're like i don't know i don't have an idea can you help me and i'm i am like no i cannot i'm not an idea generator but if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum if you have you know um an idea and you just have stuff you know just Coursing through your veins, like I'm your person, because I can help you organize that. And so, similarly, financial advisor, it's important to understand where people enter your part, who's best suited to enter your your program, and and where in their uh, where in their timeline, and then taking stories of other successful clients you've had there, or or clients who are in that process, and what happens? You know, it's kind of that, that old thing of um, if you invest $50 or you save $50 a year from the time you're 18 and you invested this certain way, you can make, you know, a million dollars by, what is it, by in 30 years or something like that? You can tell I did not do that. but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the power
0: of 72. I used to present Yay. that graph.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> but, um, and so it's kind of like, what can I expect? Like, okay, I get it's not turning my $10 pocket change into 10 million, but what actually is it? Like, what, do, what, do, what have other people, where have they started with you? What have they done? And what is their trajectory like in that time period? So I think that can be very, um, not only illustrative to potential clients, but also, you know, reassuring. And as you're relaying that story, it, as a financial advisor, it tells a bit about you. And your attitude, because there's a lot too of the, you know, the unscripted things like your passion that comes through your, uh, your love for your clients, the details that you know about this person's journey and how she, you know, he or she worked hard or has two boys or, you know, whatever, likes to go sledding in the winter or loves, you know, Tim Hortons tea. I don't know, like you know, but just these things are like, oh, I get it. I like sledding too. You know, people just see themselves a different different parts and feel reassured like okay I'm not the only one coming in at my age or my income or my um contribution level or whatever the case is
3: I think that's a really important part And we don't often talk about that with storytelling right that that it just makes you feel like you're not alone in a way
2: mm-hmm.
0: so with the, the um so an advisor starts thinking about what kinds of situations their clients get into and how they can put together some stories to illustrate for people they don't know yet how they can help. Um, I know in writing, you have ed- editors and you've got rewrites and you've got all that kind of stuff. When an advisor puts this together, how, how can they um, then begin working, working on refining it so that it becomes really effective for them?
1: Well, they can, you know, they can do a couple things. They can, you know, work with a marketing expert or a storytelling expert to help them. They can, you know, create a, a group of of uh, people that they can rehearse and practice with and try out. I hate to say try out material because I don't, I don't want that to sound like over like actor-ish or over Hollywoodish. ish <laughs> It's a very serious subject for people. This is people's financial health that we're talking about. So, But I do think that's important. Um, and I think it's important to get feedback and, and understand like, hey, sometimes people, when they're speaking or telling a story, they might be nervous for some reason. And they may not know it. Until it's pointed out to them by by other people, so rehearsal groups or practice groups are a good thing to do. Um, working with a coach, of course, um, working with an expert who can, you know, just say like, let's, you know, watch this. It sounds a little, in- it could sound intimidating to this audience, or acknowledge that. Like sometimes, you know, we're telling stories, and a lot of things we say in Hollywood too, it didn't. A lot of ideas we have don't make it to the page. And and so I say that because sometimes it's good to acknowledge uh, things that people might be thinking, like, oh, my God, that sounds intimidating. I don't think I could make $10 million out of 10. But so it's good to acknowledge it and and explore that if that seems an area of concern or if people like, oh, no, heck no, let's do it. Like, I, I get it. So you can learn to. Um, uh, receive cues from the potential client and, and adapt the story or the detail that you share as needed.
3: Well, this is great. I, I mean, I, just listening to you, it's not—it's not only the, the structural pieces that you're talking about, which I think are so important, but. But you've really changed my thinking on the role of storytelling and and how that plays an ongoing role in communications with clients and prospects. So I think that's that's really cool stuff. Um, uh, hey, before we wrap up, though, can you tell us where people can find you uh, if they're interested in learning more?
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, my website is christinapater.com. Perfect. And
3: that's
0: Christina with a K and. P-A-I-D-E-R
1: Yes Well, that's wonderful
0: Yeah Well, KP, thank you so much for joining us It's been great And I, I, I hope that uh, a lot. I think a lot of our listeners now Can um, think a little more deeply About how they can put stories together To communicate the benefits That they can deliver to clients So I really appreciate your, your joining us here today
1: Delighted to be here Thanks so much for having me, guys
0: Okay, thanks Take care
3: You too Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.